0: Samantha Wetchy, and my title is a co-founder and president of 16 Strong Project.
1: So what inspired you to create the project?
0: So I really started 16 Strong based on my own personal experiences. Um, so growing up, my father struggled with mental illness and addiction that really impacted uh, myself and my family. Um, and when I was in middle school and high school primarily and throughout my time in adolescence and growing up, I really didn't have an understanding of what was going on. I knew that he had these challenges and I knew that it led him to do certain things that had huge impacts on myself and my family. But what I didn't understand is really why it was happening, how it was happening. And it wasn't something that we ever learned about or talked about at school. So I had a lot of blame. I blamed myself a lot. um, And I felt like I was absolutely the only person that was going through this. I felt really alone. I didn't talk to anyone about it. Um, So this project is really rooted in all of those experiences for me growing up. I didn't start it right away. I kind of went a totally opposite direction at first. And I studied financial economics in in college and I worked in finance because I was seeking this stability that I was missing in my life. And I thought that that would bring it. Uh, A few years after graduating college, I realized that I did want to do something more impact driven. And that's when I started doing some reflection on myself and my life and things that I went through. And I wanted to do something and put together um, really resources at that time to help kids who were like me, And that's where 16 Strong sort of started. It's definitely grown and shifted a little bit since then, but I started the program based on my my own personal experiences.
1: Can you tell me some of the initiatives you have?
0: Yeah, of course. So 16 Strong as a whole is an organization that educates youth directly about adverse childhood experiences or ACEs for short. And my experience with the father struggling with mental illness and addiction is something that falls under that kind of broader category, I should say, of ACEs. So when I found out about ACEs is when I first, it's when I really like a light bulb went off in my head and I thought I need to, kids need to know about this. They need to know about what this is, um, the impacts that it can have, and the fact that there are things that they can do about it. That being said, our goal is to bring this information directly to young people, um, but really have youth voices at the forefront of it. So I, we do run workshops directly with youth that are adult led, but I would say the biggest success and where we see the most impact is through our youth led initiatives. So we have a youth advocacy board of young people across the country when I say young people, typically ages 14 through 24, who are on our youth advocacy board, and they work with us, uh, we we help help teach them about what Aces are, their impacts on mental health, what positive coping skills are, what it means to have strong support systems. We teach them all about that, so that they can then bring that information to their schools and communities in ways that make the most sense for them, given their particular context, their interests, their own experiences. And that has really allowed us to both grow and also reach, or I should say meet kids and communities where they're at. So our youth leaders are the experts on their own communities, their own particular region, the challenges that they face and that are the most prevalent. And so they're able to take the more general information that we give them about ACEs and about mental health and mix that with the um, context that they're in and they can kind of put together a really unique unique learning experience for their peers and their community members. So it's a lot of peer-to-peer education. We provide them with all of the resources, templates, tools, and things that they would possibly need and help them adapt them in a way that makes sense for their schools and communities. So while we're a national organization, I still do like to say that we are community-based and like on the ground, um, grassroots doing the work. And it's through our youth leaders that we're able to do that.
1: Yeah, how important is it for uh, teens to see someone else going through the same thing?
0: It is, I can't even tell you how important it is, and I know that I did not have that when I was um, a teenager, and so many of the kids that we work with now, they want to make sure that their peers and their, their classmates don't feel that same way. To be able to see yourself in someone else or even just know that someone that you go to school with or that you're on the same sports team with or you're in a play together, whatever it might be, to know that there might be someone out there or that there is someone out there, I should say, there not might be, there is someone out there who is going through something similar really changes everything you never want to be the only person that's going through anything or or dealing with anything at all. It's very isolating. Um, it causes a lot of misunderstanding, stress, anxiety, all sorts of things. So to be able to um, show kids that they're not alone in what they're going through really makes all the difference, um, especially when we incorporate stories of hope or um, healing and things like that into the work that we do. So they're able to see, okay, here's this person who went through something that's similar to what I am currently going through and look at what they're doing now. And so, to be able to have that with with our kids is tremendous, and it's something that really can change the tra- the trajectory of so many lives. Um, and I think I I don't usually talk about myself in this way, but I think I have been that person for a lot of the kids that we work with. What I found is that when I share my story with them, I tend to forget how impactful a story my story can be because it's my life and it's my own story. But when I do tell it, um, the reaction is usually pretty strong, especially from young people. They look at me and they hear about all the things I went through and that does stick with them. But the main takeaway for them is you went through all of that and you're standing in front of us today talking about it and you went to college and you went to graduate school and you started this nonprofit organization and you went through the same things that we went through and you were in our seat one time uh, in the past as well. So And I know that I've been that person and uh, I'm I'm an adult, obviously, but young enough that they're able to relate to me. Um, But when they see it in their peers, I think is really even even stronger. And that's why this youth led stuff that we're doing is has been really, really effective.
1: I know for me, my parents got divorced uh, when I was eight in the 90s and they wanted me to go to therapy. And I'm like, Oh, no, people would think yeah. different than me and all that. So but years later, when I was in my mid 30s, I then got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, too. Uh, mm-hmm. But so I had all these years to maybe help how important is it to talk to these students before, you know, this goes years and years.
0: Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. That is exactly what we're trying to do. And so we say that we're taking a proactive approach to youth mental health by helping young people be able to recognize their situation, realize that it has a name, it gives them language to talk about it. And it also helps them understand that what they're going through might be having a potentially negative impact on them, whether it, they're seeing it now or not, it, it's something that is impacting them in a way And so we're telling them that and we're teaching them about it so that they can have that recognition point, that realization earlier to potentially avoid the development of mental health challenges um, in response to experiencing adversity or substance use as a negative coping skill or repeating behavior they're seeing at home. So we're trying to get all of this information to kids while they're younger so that we can have less people who are, I've heard... Obviously not the same. Everyone's story is unique, but I've heard so many people say something similar to what you just said that I was in my 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever it might be. And I finally went to therapy or went to go um seek help. And I realized that a lot of what I'm dealing with as an adult is linked to what I went through during childhood. And I wish that I would have known that sooner. So that's exactly we're trying to decrease the number of stories like that and having that realization point at an earlier age um, to be able to um, help kids really develop positive coping skills and strong support systems and realizing that there are things that are out there that they can do to help themselves, even if their situation is beyond their control.
1: How has the nonprofit helped your own mental health?
0: That's a good question. Um, I think it's definitely a huge part of my own healing journey in a way. Being able to use my experiences to help other people is something that is incredibly helpful for me. I think that there are some aspects of it that are not always the best for my mental health, to be honest, including like, I I try not to use social media too much. But when you're starting a nonprofit, and you're trying to get awareness out there. Social media is a part of it. And mental health social media is, it can be good, it can be bad. So um, but I think for the most part, it is it has a very positive, it has had a very positive impact on my mental health and my overall journey in a way that I didn't ever think that it would. Um, I never saw myself as someone who wanted to start a nonprofit organization, and still to this day, I sometimes am like, "How how did I get here?" It started as an idea and me just wanting to help, and it turned into a national nonprofit organization that I couldn't tell my own story without this being part of it. And I think that I've seen growth in myself that I didn't necessarily see before I do did this. I didn't start telling my story or talking to anyone even close to me about my experiences until I started doing this work as an adult. Um, I have some of my best friends from college, from high school, whatever it might be who they only really found out about what I was going through by like reading my bio on my nonprofit website or by listening to a podcast interview that I did several years ago when I first started doing this. Um, And they said to me, I wish I would have known this so that I could have been there for you when you were, you know, going through a lot um, during those years. And I say to them, like, I appreciate it, of course, but I I just wasn't ready to acknowledge it. I really didn't feel like I, I trusted them, of course, but I didn't want to be viewed as different. And no one else was talking about these issues, even with family members or anything like that. I now know that everyone has gone through something or is going through something. Like everyone has some form of adversity, uh, especially with the pandemic that we've experienced in the last three year, four, almost four years at this point. Um, everyone's experienced some form of adversity or or aCE, and it's not abnormal to have gone through something. So I know that now, but being able to speak more openly about it and having the people around me better understand me as a person, I don't know that that would have happened if I didn't start doing this work and running this nonprofit, to be honest. So I think that is a huge thing that is overall helpful to my to my own mental health.
1: And you said something about social media earlier. Uh, I was looking at your uh, Instagram page. And it's really good. So uh congrats for that. Thank you.
0: I will be honest, we have some incredible volunteers who help make those posts. I monitor it sometimes, but since we first started, we've we've had some volunteers step up and take over that part, which is really helpful. I like to tell people I'm I'm good at a lot of things, but I can't do everything. <laughs> and that's one of the things that falls under the you don't want me doing it category. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but that's actually a good point with you know, there's so many great facts and all that with these posts. How important is it to find creative ways to reach out to uh, kids?
0: Oh, it's so important. Um, And that's really where we also learn from our youth leaders and our youth advocacy board. Like, yes, we help give them information to bring to their communities, but they also tell us what They Like, what are the biggest challenges that kids your age are facing? And how do you want to learn about these things? And what's been really interesting to see is the change in how kids have wanted to receive information over the last, like, two, three years, and I think that COVID has played a large role in that in some ways because there was a lot of isolation and um, being on Zoom for school, some people felt like they were under a microscope all the time because you're looking at yourself or people are like staring at your face all day in a way that you wouldn't necessarily when you're in like in a physical classroom, and so to be able to learn from them the different ways that kids want to consume information has been tremendously helpful because I wouldn't know that, like, I wouldn't think, um, let me think of one example. So when we first started doing this work about four, maybe five years ago, kids really wanted, we were told they want videos. They don't want to listen to, they don't want to read. They just, you know, they want short videos because the attention, you know, people's attention span is so short now, adults included, and they don't want to read anything. And I still think that that is true to some extent, but over the last like year and a half, maybe two years, kids have been coming to us and saying, do we have a pamphlet with this information? And it's happened on multiple occasions. Like, do we have a pamphlet for that? Do you think we can make pamphlets so that we could hand them out? And that's been so interesting to me, because to be honest, I don't even know if I personally want to read a pamphlet. But for the kids to say, we think that we should hand out pamphlets in our, you know, school counselor's office or in a wellness center at a college, or after we give a presentation, and it's happened on many occasions. And so, Our first response was, well, we don't, but we can. And so now we have pamphlets that kids can use as resources. But what it sounds like is that kids now want to consume the information in a space that feels comfortable and safe for them. So they can get it in school, for example, but they don't want to necessarily be seen looking at it in school. And so when you think of like a flyer or poster hanging on a billboard in a hallway in a high school If you're sitting there, like standing there looking at it, your classmates will probably see you and walk past you. It might still be effective, but it sounds like the odds of someone stopping and looking at that are going down a little bit. And where someone wants to, you know, take something, put it in their backpack, and then they go home at night or they go to the park or whatever it might be, wherever they feel safe and comfortable. And they can take that pamphlet out and now they can read it in a place where no one's looking at them and no one needs to know that they're looking at it. So that's been really one of the biggest changes, but this is kind of a long-winded answer to your question. Um, it's it's incredibly important to meet kids where they're at and give them the information in the ways that they want to consume them. Otherwise, they're going to ignore it.
1: <laughs> so you were recognized uh, by L'Oreal as one of the women of worth. How does it feel that you are getting more recognized for your mission?
0: It feel still feels a little bit unreal. Um, But yes, I I am one of the 10 um, Women of Worth honorees uh, from L'Oreal Paris this year. And it is, I couldn't, I'm just so incredibly grateful to have been recognized. It is so validating and it it means so much to me but also to the cause. Um, This is really the, it's such a national scale and such a national platform that we have through L'Oreal Paris now. Um, that can allow us to expand our mission so much and help so many more kids. So I am, it really doesn't feel real. And so um, I'm just incredibly, incredibly grateful. And what it means for us is we're able to do so much more and people are, more people are able to see what we're doing and why it's so important to talk about adverse childhood experiences and childhood adversity and their link to mental health so that we can help really, change and save the lives of of kids everywhere because it's something that's impacting everyone but not that many people are talking about so to be able to have this recognition is further confirmation and validation of the importance of it in my opinion um we've been doing this work for five years which i guess you know in the overall scheme of things is overall scheme of things is not that long um but it feels like a long time and it feels like it's something that needs to be out there more. And this is really an opportunity to do that um, with the support of and the platform of such, such a big um, company.
1: What are some of the things you've learned from the kids you work with?
0: Oh, my gosh, I learned so much from them. So I would say some of the things that I learned from them are... Well, first of all, I should say I am so inspired every single time I talk to them. The kids that we work with are so incredibly brave, and they say things that I could have never thought, that I would have never thought to say when I was their age. And they come to me and they say, this is what I went through. I want to use my experiences to help my peers. I want them to be able to understand that I, you know, they're not alone. They can see me and I'm saying, hey, I went through this. I'm in the same grade as you or I'm in the same school as you. And so that's the first thing I want to say about the kids is how incredibly inspiring and brave they are to to want to make this difference at such a young age by using such personal experiences. But some of the biggest things that I've learned from them and continue to learn from them is really how to work I like it sounds it sounds weird but how to work with young people how to talk to you know teenagers or or kids in college and what is the information that they want to hear what I've also learned from them is um, what the biggest challenges are that they are dealing with and that changes it feels like every single year at this point the things that are on their mind and the things that they are struggling with or coping with and as things start to change or continue to change, I should say, in the world, there's so many things that are going on that kids in high school or college are really dealing with on such a personal level. And there are things that even you know young adults that are still in their 20s didn't necessarily have to deal with when they were a teenager. There's just so many things out there, especially when it comes to social media and the availability of information and what that means for kids um, that I've learned from them. I, I tell a lot of people, I, I have a, I did a master's degree in human development and psychology, and I learned a lot about adolescent development. And I studied, I read research papers and worked in a research lab, and I did all sorts of things. And I learned so much through that, but none of it compares to actually hearing from the people, the kids, I should say, who are actually going through it right now. It, those things don't always account for the changing, the constantly changing environment that we're all seeing. Um, And so they tell me, they remind me every day what the things are that they're dealing with. And that helps me better understand the audience that we're trying to help. And it helps our organization be able to um, really adapt our resources, shift our resources to get them the information that they're looking for. One of the other things that comes to mind that I always found really interesting is They are so interested in learning the science behind adverse childhood experiences and what's going on and like what it causes in the brain and how that connects to emotions and body and things like that. I just never thought when I first started doing this work that the science behind it would be particularly interesting to. 15, 16 year olds, but every single time they, they continue to go back to, we want to better understand like what this does to the brain. Like, why are these things happening? They really want to know the why behind it, um, in full detail, really, they want to know the science. So that's definitely been a very interesting thing to me is their desire to understand the, the full situation, science and all. <laughs>
1: So where do you want to see your mission say in the next three to five years?
0: Good question. So I, we really are all about raising awareness. So getting as many young people involved as we can in as many communities um, across the country as we can. So we want to get this information out to young people everywhere so that they can have these realization moments at a younger age that I was talking about before it. So they're able to recognize their situation have language for it, be able to um, share that experience with someone they feel comfortable with, understand what it means to have strong support systems and and build positive coping skills for themselves. Um, So ultimately, I I hope that we can have at least one youth leader, youth advocate in every state in the country within that time frame. We have close to half now through all of our youth leaders' um, and advocates, but it would be amazing to see at least one youth leader in every state across the country in that amount of time so that we can continue to, it's kind of like a snowball effect. Once it's there, you can, you know, keep moving and reaching more and more communities in different geographic areas, different, different places, culturally, ethnically, whatever it may be. Um, so that I would say is, is definitely a goal.
1: How can people reach out and learn more?
0: So through our website is probably the best way. There are a number of different contact forms on there. Our website is 16strongproject.com. Um, we also have uh, we, we can also reach us by email directly, and that is also 16strongproject at gmail.com and we are relatively responsive, I will say. Um, And we are always looking for, what we're really looking for now are what we're calling like youth mental health advocates and ambassadors that can be kids or adults who have direct, adults who have direct access to kids, um, whether through a job or youth group or whatever it might be in their area, who might be able to bring some of this information about ACEs and mental health to the young people in their lives. Um, And we are trying to grow that way as well through advocates and ambassadors.